This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Concept2 and the Concept2 Skierg. Concept2 is the designer and manufacturer of the Skierg, a training tool for Nordic skiing and for general fitness. Located in north central Vermont, the Concept2 family rose in summer and skis in winter. The Skierg grew out of the time-tested design of the Concept2 rowing machine. As dedicated skiers, we know this much is true. It's not always easy to get out on the snow in winter, or out on the roller skis, for that matter, in summer. The Skierg is a perfect dry land training option for skiers, or anybody really, looking to improve their fitness. The second generation Skierg allows for single stick and double pulling. Take your skiing and upper body conditioning to a new level with a Skierg. You can find more information about Skiergs and their PM5 performance monitors at concept2.com. This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. Today was day one of the racing at the 2021 World Championships from Oberstdorf, Germany. Here to talk all things classic sprint on the show today are Devin, as usual, and special guest, and we were so glad to land him, Devin's former teammate, Lenny Valius, who we connected with in Canada. Okay, on to the episode, and thanks again for listening. World Championship started today with the classic sprints in Oberstdorf. They're pretty exciting, as, as expected. But we have with us a good buddy of mine, the big man, Lenny Valius. No better person in North America to talk to about classic sprinting than Lenny, especially a classic sprint that ends with a big ass downhill with a good little corner and then a long finishing stretch. It's uh, Len has great experience with that torching dudes in that kind of terrain. And Lenny was a teammate of mine for many, many years, World Cup winner, multiple World Cup podiums into all these championships before world championships olympics the whole pack and and yeah lenny and i spent geez i don't know what lenny like 260 days a year on the road together for a long time a long so time yeah 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 so it's pretty awesome to have lenny here and help break us help uh help us break down what happened in the first day of the world championships i thought it was super exciting and there's kind of a lot to unpack actually as it usually is in a championship so i thought it was a, a pretty it was a pretty exciting day for sure yeah i'm happy to be here too First time on a podcast, so long time here. listener, first time yeah. caller. <laughs> Be honest, dude. Have you ever listened? No, not once. No way. Exactly. Not not really? Way. Yeah. No once. But Devin knows I'm not the biggest uh I don't, know. I don't follow I don't I don't I watch the odd like I watch the highlights. I don't watch the races from start to finish. I did this one, but like the championships and all that, but I'm not the yeah, I've I've never been totally into the podcast scene whether it's about sport or anything so i'm <laughs> kind of new to this so i have no idea what to expect or anything well you know what you know you know what lenny you're doing a lot better than than my my wife who's like if i say anything about podcasts she just calls it like an ipod she's like oh iPod. you're gonna do like your ipod thing i'm like kind of <laughs> <laughs> sure so let's just set the context of like what was going on today in terms of the course, how long it was skiing, the significant hills, um, and obviously like weather and snow conditions were a factor and weather being it was it was sunny and warm. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, it was like, it was bitching hot today. I mean, it got up to like 17 degrees 
blazing sun. And actually there was uh, <clears throat> the organizers, there was a lot of back and forth, but in the end, Fist moved the, Fist moved the start back to, to 9 a.m. for the qualification instead of it was going to be later on in the morning or like actually early afternoon. And the heats were supposed to be at 3 p.m. and 3.15 actually. And they, they changed everything one day before uh, because of the just horrendous snow conditions. And then at the last second yesterday afternoon, they decided, the jury decided, it's like, no, we're going to salt the course. And they hadn't been salting the course up to that point. So there was some back and forth, of course, because technicians don't like those those kind of changes in a short notice because they had no chance to to test on salted courses and that sort of thing so there was there was a quite a few quite a few changes but the course itself is i mean it's a little newer like len i don't think we've skied this exact course before but we it's all on the same two hills so i mean yeah the terrain's like they, the same it's like they added one more little hill near the end if i'm not mistaken yeah. like they similar start you go down and up and i, I like it I, th- I thought it skied really well and I took a double take when I was watching the race, like sunny in Oberstdorf. I was yeah, like, I know. Oh, wait, I must, have wrong, must have the wrong footage here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's foggy, rainy. Oh yeah. The windy, like last time we were there was probably like, was that the day there was like, like yeah. whatever, 120 kilometer an hour winds? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They should have canceled that race. Yeah. Like yeah, trees exactly. were falling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but I, I thought the course skied really well. And looking at like the, the warm up days leading into this race, it was soft. It was kind of like, terrible conditions for it like myself like a big man and i thought they made it quite a fair race like the the climbs were definitely fair in the bottom corners of course have they're always soft there but i I thought it skied pretty fair like they they did a good job i thought no me too i totally agree man like i think like when you consider how warm it is like we've skied in really warm conditions we skied in sochi together i was like crazy warm and then you were in Seyfeld. i was working i was on the other side of the fence just drinking spritz aperols but you you guys were i wasn't drinking spritz aperols anyone that knows me know that's a big joke but uh it was like that would have been probably i was like 15 degrees at least 15 16 degrees and sunny so this just seems to be the new norm the last couple championships at least and and uh yeah i totally agree with you len like i think the the course looked really good and, and it kept together pretty well of course in the semifinals and finals it's chewed up it, like not up the hills though i agree with you but like on those corners and it got pretty soft and slushy and you just have to be heads up but like you can talk about this too Len. i mean like we're used to skiing well not anymore i'm not used to skiing at all but like when we were active like on the world cup like you soft chewed up courses i mean like that's not something that's totally out of the blue for any of these athletes they've skied in these conditions before no yeah you have you have to know how to ski that because it just seems that more and more races are turning into that like i don't know if it's the way we're skiing or just the temperature like we we chew up courses like so the better you are at skiing that stuff the better you'll be on on a world cup i think yeah i suffered a bit with the soft for sure and like eventually you'd like you're out of excuses you just got to learn to ski in that stuff because it just keeps coming back and you just got to learn to ski it, which is a totally a different technique than hard ice. Like you just, some people are really good at it and some just never quite learn it. Yeah. So what would the technique be if you know you're like, for example, here, you're coming off, you know, they're running up a hill and like Devin mentioned, the tracks look good. There were some skiers that were outside the tracks uh, going up that second hill, but coming down into the corner, you're obviously moving into kind of sugary snow, thinking of it a little bit rutted, like a, an alpine slalom course, probably not as acute. But what are some techniques to ski on that kind of snow? For, yeah, like I think it's important, whatever your technique is, I think you need the grip to get up these hills. If you're throwing a wide herringbone or anything like that, you, there's no way I don't think you can keep up with that speed. I think 
for like what my tactics were anyway, racing, I needed the grip. That was like the baseline. And then, cause as soon as I go to a wide herringbone, I'm dropped beyond like <laughs> I'm right at the back. So I think you just have to have the grip to run up those hills like they do, but also for me, a big thing was the pole sinking. And like, I'm a, I'm not a high tempo skier. I'm a powerful kind of a slower tempo skier. So I rely on that. Like I need a hundred percent purchase on my poles every time. So this course actually would have suited me fairly well, I think, because there's not a ton of double pole and it looked fairly salted where they were double pulling. So I think on this course, technically it looked like you just needed the grip to be relaxed. Like the men skiing were just first two hills always relaxed like they're just skiing big and then the big punch at the end you just need to have that clay bow run down pat yeah i know for sure and i mean like that is so true i mean that's the change in, in my career and the tail end of your career you know what i mean like if you think back like before clay bow came onto the world cup and stuff like yeah people would but we'd still call it like herring boning you know what i mean like it, it wouldn't be super wide like you're saying like you try and keep your legs like you try and keep the b as narrow as you can but, but for sure it was like more like a herringbone run and like Claybo comes in, changes the technique completely, starts running on his skis, waxing for that conditions, picking skis that work in those conditions. And then all of a sudden it's like, it was like in a religious awakening or something like every sprinter just realizes like, this is way faster and we all need to change. And like, to me, I mean, it's, of course it's been, you guys had I me, mean, you, Len was seventh for people that are listening that don't know, like Len was seventh in Pyeongchang that also had like the Claybo one. And, um, but it was also like a big climb to the top of the course and then screamed down into the stadium through a horseshoe. Not, not exactly the exact same setup as what we saw today in Oberstorp, but still, um, and, and everybody that was in the top 10 was able to like run on their skis up that climb. You couldn't just ski it anymore. Like the, the sport has changed. And then today, holy shit like for the men like seeing seeing tug like actually we're gonna get to this later i know this is just a little bit of a preview but like seeing volness open the account on that hill and start running like he's a big dude too lenny like valness is tall and big and he was like i was just sitting there like watching this going like oh my god like this I, no way in hell i could have ever had power and, and the angles and the technique and the purchase doesn't even win. And everybody's running like that now. And they're doing it at, at just such a high level. It's really impressive to see. Yeah. The sports changed. It's it's they're going at a new level now and it's good to see too, but I'm happy to see the big guys doing that too. And able to have that speed and almost, yeah. make, almost look faster than Claybo, which like yeah blows my mind. Like it's, it's good to see. Yeah, and we we rip on sort of the coverage every once in a while, like the shots and so forth. I, Davos comes to mind. It's like, okay, we need a little change of view here. That shot going up that hill following the skiers was like made the race for me. Because like you mentioned, Devin, you really understood one is how the sport was changing and how fast those, you know, both men and women, how fast they were going up that hill and cresting it. It was really impressive. Oh yeah. And like, but like you said, exactly. Because like Sundling, the, the Swedish woman that won, I mean, like, I, I know we'll break down the races, but like seeing Sundling and, and Mike and Capsules and Fala running up that hill in, that, in the final, you got to remember, like they did it. They did a qualification. They did a quarterfinal. They did a semifinal. It's crazy warm. The tracks are breaking down. Like it, it's, you're tired. It's, and they are like just beast moaning up that hill. And that's what we need to do in, in skiing. If you want to make it exciting, the sprints are of course exciting by nature, but 
to have those angles where like, yeah, I, I was a professional skier for like 20 years of my life, not quite 18. And like, I'm sitting there at home here in awe watching this going like, this is, this is bananas. Like th this is such good skiing right here. It is the angles, the high hips, the, the way they're able to transfer their weight and like they're getting purchased. Like Len, we skied in clister skis so many times. Like they make it look like they have like locker, locker, locker kick. And like they do. But the reason why they do is because the skis are waxed a particular way and they're getting their weight like directly onto that kick zone. It's, it's crazy to see. Yeah, no, I, you didn't see any slipping today or anybody falling apart because of their skis. Like those top athletes had really good skis and they knew how to ski on them. It was, and yeah, my brother showed up just while I was watching the race, the final, and he's just like, holy crap, like they're flying like up that last hill. Like even oh, like yeah. he doesn't know that much about skiing. Like he hasn't watched any racing and he just stopped and he sat there for the full, full heat, just in awe. Like it was an amazing, amazing day with good good camera angles, everything like it was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So that's a little bit, let's, let's, um, kind of drill down into some results and, you know, I'm going to all qualify this. Like, uh, you know, usually I speak to Matt Wickham, the U S head coach after the race, we've kind of, we've, our wires have not connected. We've got text out, but we haven't connected yet to talk about whether or not, you know, they missed the wax or didn't miss the wax and, you know, ski selection and so forth. But, you know, for the U.S., they were coming, this is the word of the U.S. ski team, coming in with like a stack team. There was obviously a lot of potential on the women's side, a lot of potential as well on the, on the men's side. Um, so let's talk about the women first, and we'll get to sort of the sharp end of the race, but let's talk about the U.S. women and perhaps what you were seeing out there, you know, Devin and Len. Yeah, I, I can start with that. Like, I thought, you, you know what, like, I know Sophie has, Sophie Caldwell has had, uh, you know, she's had a, a tough last six weeks, let's say like before, before the tour to ski, she was, she was at a really high level and, and skiing well. And, and then she's just, she's been struggling a little bit. There's no question because her level, we have to remember, like she's won an overstore before, like her level on a course like that is best in the world when she's on fire and firing in all cylinders. And honestly, I didn't think she looked so bad in her quarterfinal. She was skiing well everything was looking good, but like Lenny was saying, they're using this like one slope where they're going up and down. I love how I'm using my hands to describe, no one can hear and see this, but like, but, um, but regardless, she was, she was hanging tough, but like, you know, to me, from my perspective, the U S women and men had had, they had slow skis today. From my perspective, that said, that becomes exasperated when you compare them to a team, like we're going to get to this, but like the Norwegian skis today, <laughs> Like, I know they have good skis often, but today, I mean, and Len experienced this racing. I mean, like in Seyfeld, when it was 15 degrees and, and hot and wet, like nobody touches Norway's skis it, It's it, when it's wet and warm like this. And today it was definitely on display. But I noticed, I noticed that both like Sophie and, and Jesse, they did not have the glide I would have expected. And, and Jesse skis, well, she's the number one skier on Solomon. And Solomon is really good in those conditions as well, normally. And I was pretty surprised that she was in like pretty good position. And then like, she's the best descender hands down in the entire women's field. And that course with a bit of technical descending uh, corners, like Len was saying that are chewed up for sure. Like that's, that's tailor made for someone like Jesse, but she was just losing too much ground on, on the descents from what I saw. Um, and that's hard to see. And then of course, then when you see that in the heats, you start thinking in the qualification, like 
Rosie Brandon misses the heats. There's only four athletes per nation, right? In the world championship. So actually like making it into the heats for, for the top level athletes should be almost a given, you know, because you don't have like six or seven Norwegians and six Russians and six Swedes. You only have four per country. And, and Rosie was outside. And then of course, like Julia Kern, it's been, I mean, it's, I feel bad for Julia this year. It's been just such a weird season for everybody and uh, with coronavirus and everything. And, and, you know, Julie just hasn't been able to, to get herself into the form that she was in, in last year and in the year before. So uh, she missed the heats as well. And uh, moving on to the men, I mean, I thought like, dude, Ben Ogden had a hell of a, like those young guns that I love talking about. Cause I like, I love all those young guys in the U S they're awesome. Uh, and you know, qualifying 11th, like that was a real statement and JC too qualifying in, in 20th. Awesome stuff. But like JC, his skis looked slow to me. He was out of contention early in his quarterfinal and we all know how good he can be. And then Ben would have been sixth in his heat. No question. But there was uh, DeFabiani <laughs> did a questionable move, taking out the young Czech, Czech athlete, uh, Oxney. I can't really pronounce his last name super well, but he's 25. He looked really good. He looks tall, Lenny, kind of like you. But anyway, like Ben would have been sixth in his heat, no question as well. And like, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, it looked to me like the, the Americans struggled with glide on their skis. But that's that's my perspective. Yeah, I, I, I do agree, but it's sometimes hard to, like, the slow skis are kind of hidden in there. You think, oh, they're off the back the whole time. But after a downhill, you have to work so hard to regain, like, catch the group again. And then they're going up the hill as fast as they are. Like, I, I think the skis definitely weren't, let's call it world class or, like, as good as the Norwegians had today, which really makes you, it just doesn't make you look as fast out there. So I, I, I do think their skis were like just a little one step off the, the world class and it kind of made them look a little like labored and sluggish, like just hanging on like Sophie, Sophie up on the last hill there. She had like, she was with the group, but that downhill didn't allow her to pass four people. It's a, it's kind of a, you can pass one or two kind of a deal if you get a good push over the top. But when you're tired from catching up to the group, the push wasn't there and nothing happens. The group just leaves. And I, I've been there a lot too. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it is, yeah, skis, but also the skis just make you work harder the whole way around the course. And how are you supposed to push over the last hill when you're exhausted? So it's kind of, no, no, exactly. That's a super, super good point. Super good point, Len. And then I'll just move on to the Canadians. Cause I know like there's some Canadian listeners or whatever, um, but like <clears throat> it was a, it was a super disappointing day for the Canadians. What can you say? I mean, you know, in senior racing, we just got to call things as it is. And, and um, you know, I thought it was cool to see Tony building back. I mean, this was his best result so far of this, uh, this season, 31st, just on the wrong side. Len's been 31st in world cups. I've been 31st in world cups. It's uh, it sucks. I don't know what I was in, in Oslo actually for the world championships in 2011. I might've been 31st there or maybe 34th or whatever. Like I know how that feels in, in the championship to just miss the heats. And that sucks because there's not much difference between 31st and 28th. And you saw what happened to the guy who qualified 28th, like, or 29th even, but Oscar Svensson, like he gets all the way to the final. Um, so for Tony, that was heartbreaking. Graham Ritchie, you know, like ugh, just outside as well. And like, that was really hard to see though, both those Canadian guys, like so close to the heats. Remy is not a sprinter. I mean, anyone that's seen Remy <laughs> up close and personal, he's a little too light to be a real beastly sprinter. So he was kind of to be expected. And then Rusty woke up with uh, not feeling tip top. So he decided to sit, sit the sprint, which was uh, too bad. And then on the women's side of things, like, 
you know, Catherine, if, if, if they wouldn't have salted the course, I think Catherine Stewart-Jones would have had an awesome, a better chance. Catherine Stewart-Jones is just not a big, she's not a sprinter. What can I say? And like, if the harder that is, the harder the conditions, the longer it is, the better chance someone like Catherine Stewart-Jones could have. Look at Falun, you know what I mean? Like she qualified in Falun. That's a, that's a tough, that's a, that's a long, hard course for the women. And, and here it wasn't quite as punishing. And then, and then Daria and Maya, you know, they just weren't at the level and that that's just how it is sometimes. And uh, my heart goes out to them, but they have more chances and the championships just began. Yeah. I think, I think the guys actually, I was actually pretty impressed. It's just unfortunate that they're on the wrong side of the, the flip there. Like I, I think they skied a pretty good race. You know, everybody's bringing their, their best guys, everything out here and 31st and 34th, I think it was like amazing. Like, I, I've been there. I lived most of my career yeah. in that zone. And it, it doesn't mean that they don't have the fitness. It's just unlucky because they're on the wrong side. Like I've podiumed qualifying 30th and Tony pretty much like, like it means they're, they're at yeah, a good level. It's the just they're on eh? the wrong side. It's like, it's so unfortunate. Like you never know. You can go all the way to the final if you get in the heats, but yeah, that's just, just unlucky to be on the wrong side. Like there's, I thought they skied really well. So just, yeah. Just oh, a hair, sure. a hair too slow. Yeah, and it'll be fun too. I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, I think a, it'd be fun for Tony because, like I said, it's his best result and it looks good. It looks good for the for the championship. I think like Tony in like the 50k classic, he's a good classic skier, and if he has like that kind of those kind of wheels, that's 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 looking pretty promising. So yeah, I, I like I that's true, Lenny. Like you, you we got it's just, it's disappointing. I that they didn't make it as a Canadian fan and like a real home home. Yeah town or like homer i really want to see our guys like mixing it up and he's but you're absolutely right like we've all lived there we've all lived on that like just on the outside and it's a shitty feeling and and instead of being too down about it like you said it's a championship it take the take the confidence that like you are close and, and it, you can convert later in the in the championship yeah no it's it's a good sign to be that close like just take that and hopefully you get some more racing good races down the stretch here yeah so let's um why don't we drill down on the guy side in, in that sense. Let's continue on this. And and you've remarked, you know, this year and last year, Devin, that essentially the Norwegian men own classic sprinting. And that was pretty evident today on many levels. Um, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I was trying to not justify, I was like, okay, like they really came to play. And this may perhaps be the first time they've really showed up on force all year. You know, they, they were in Ruka. They showed up, I think, in Lati, but Klebo wasn't there. Gosh, I can't believe I'm remembering this. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I'm impressed. For someone that woke up at like two in the morning, you're killing it. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, so, yeah, it was like they're here and they've showed up and it's going to be a show. And it, and it was that. So maybe, yeah, speak a little bit about what you were seeing out there today and sort of their ability to kind of reinforce supremacy, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. on the men's side of things, like you, you don't get a better day for if you're a Norwegian than, than what happened today. I, I do want to spend just a tiny bit of time on this because I think it's actually pretty funny. Arnold Munson, who's the Norwegian sprint <coughs> men's sprint team coach, he, he coached us back in, it was actually a huge article in NRK that quoted Alex, a bunch of uh, like about the whole uh, progression of Arnold Munson's whole coaching his history. And he would have loved that too. Nobody loves the press more than Arnold Munson. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but anyway, he's coached in a lot of different places, but he, he got his international coaching debut with us actually in Canada in, in uh, 2008-9. The 2008-9 season it was pretty controversial when he when he was fired at the end of that season, and 
you know, it was, he was treated really poorly too in how he was fired. It was, it was a huge miss by the Canadian Federation, like a huge miss. But then he goes from, from, from us right to Sweden, directly to Sweden and gets hired and just starts like crushing it. I mean, you have like Emil Janssen's at the, at the peak of his powers. The next year in 2011, you have Helner winning the sprint. He, he's like just beast mode. He was, you think about how good, maybe the most famous race in cross-country skiing is last, last 20 years is Johan Olsen in, in 2013, the 50K just blowing the field apart. And then he goes from Sweden to Norway in the sprint team. And then, I mean, just, just, just start going through the championships. There's no more, like there's no coach in cross-country skiing sprinting with the Paul Mares that Arl Munson has behind him. And then today he, they, they show up and they sweep the podium, like you said. I mean, yeah, the athletes were obviously on form. And like we talked about this almost all season. I mean, like anybody that didn't think Claybo and Valnes were going to go one, two, hasn't been, hasn't been watching skiing this year in classic. I mean, that, they would have to take, they would have to make a big mistake, not, not to go one, two in this sprint. Bolshinov, of course, was definitely somebody I was looking to mix it up. But Tugbo, man, I, I love that. I love seeing Tugbo win a uh, bronze medal. And Len, like just to give some backstory, like, Last year, dude, he was on, he was on like the training center. He was on like a, the Videka teams. He wasn't on the national team. He got kicked off the national team after like pretty solid results. There was no space for him. And he's, he's racing with like Norwegian cups and then like a regional team, the guy's hungry. And you saw how good he was skiing today. I mean, like it was unbelievable. I thought it was really cool. He lives in Little Hummer. He grew up in Little Hummer. So I know him pretty well. So it's like, <laughs> it was the kind of pretty fun to see him mix it up. But for sure, the Norwegians were just not to be stopped today. Like they're the best classic skiers in the world in sprint. No, no question. And like maybe the best descender I've ever seen in on classic skis is Lenny, but Claybo is right there. Like, I mean, Claybo is such a good descender. And when it gets soft and gross like that, you saw Valness on the top of that hill and pressing Claybo big time, but like no chance, like Claybo, what Claybo can do in the descents on his skis is something that, yeah, it's, it, it's very, very rare on the men's side because the margins are so, so tight. And uh, yeah, like right after that corner, you saw it too, Len, like you knew it was over. I mean, he, he just his, puts the, like, move he puts was that, like, like 10 meters. Yeah. It was like yeah, what was that? snap he went by. It was like the yeah, perfect exactly. time to move. I, I don't, like I took a double Perfect line. Like, it's a perfect line. It's a, he's, he's skiing a better line than anybody. Yeah, he didn't take any effort to pass no. Valnes, and then he just had to hold his momentum. Like, yeah, perfectly skied downhill there. The last corner, I have no idea how he found extra boost and speed just to accelerate right past him. Like, amazing. Yeah, like, perfect. Yeah, speed. I made the assumption. I was like, he's going to get DQ'd for skating, like hardcore <laughs> skating. I mean, that's how abrupt that move was for me, and I had to go back and watch it, and just like, okay, he's legit. But like, my God, he really, yeah, yeah. Talk about afterburners. But he can hold the line. Yeah, afterburners, but he can hold the line like no one else. Like, on, like I'm, I'm not just singing praises for Lenny. Like, Lenny was that athlete, too, in the descents. Like, you could hold lines that were just, like, otherworldly, honestly, especially on classic skis, and especially when it's soft and chewed up. Like, that's hard to do. And and Claybo today, like, through that corner, was just, like, was on a max max display. I mean, it was it was a hell of a race to see them. And then, and then of course, like, I've said it already earlier in our conversation, but, like, the Norwegian – technicians and the Norwegian waxing service team. If you're going to be given a day like today where things are changing, it's warm, you got salted courses, but it's like 
chewed up in sections, like good in other sections, like, and it's warm, like Norway. It, yeah, nobody stood a chance. They're, they're, nobody, they're, nobody stood a chance. No one, like, no, no. It's, thanks, thanks, Lenny. Yeah, exactly. No one stands a chance when it's these conditions against Norway in a, in a, in a discipline that already suits them well. You know what I mean? And, and you saw that it was just their skis were perfect. And like, if it's going to be more races, like 15 degrees and stuff like this, it's just going to keep happening. So, I mean, they, they had real issues in Sochi in 2014, right? And both of you guys were there pretty warm. I mean, yeah. And yeah. So my question is like, culturally, you know, they had a crappy Olympics and there were some great articles on that. I remember the New York times ran some good stuff on like them botching the wax what was that? And is it something, I mean, you sort of live in Norway. Did Dude. they just reform their protocol for warm weather? Okay. Oh yeah. No, they, they, they reformed. Dude, it was crazy. So you're right. Like Len and I were there in Sochi. We were also part of a team that just <laughs> flew the skis, something fierce. Like we had the worst skis of all time. Like it was, it was a total botch fest all around. Um, but uh, like, Norway had a fiasco in 2014 with skis. Then they go to 2015 and they make subtle changes between 2014 and 15, botch the skis again. Is that Falloon? Falloon, yeah. Falloon in 2015, botch the skis again. I don't know, like the 10K skate, Marit Bjergen's out of the top 30. Like, no, it was like total, same thing, death threats, the whole deal. Like, I mean, like bad. After that, in that spring, it was like a full scale reset completely. They brought in a new uh, head of glide that is the hardest working like dude I've ever worked with and seen in my life. Cause I've worked with the Norwegian team the last couple of years, the WAC staff and just seeing the inside of like their systems and stuff. They like, yeah, they, they reformed their whole systems. They looked instead of going like, we have the best skis in the field 85% of the time. They're like, not good enough. Like now we're taking no prisoners. We're, we're reforming our whole waxing system and brought in a couple new waxers, of course, but also it was mostly like a systems thing. And that's the kind of interesting thing with Norwegian culture, I think, is like everybody can have a voice in those kind of things. It's, it's, it's very flat. It's a very flat structure. And it was, it was tough. Like, it, like from what I heard, it was, it was not easy for them to, to like be honest enough to be like not good enough, but they changed everything. And the rest is history. Like find me a race that they missed the skis since that 10K skate in, in Falun in 2015. They haven't. And they, they don't always have the best skis in the field. No, they don't. But they, they haven't missed the skis since then. And if you just see the systems they have in place, man, like it's, it's crazy. It, like, I mean, yeah, they have a lot of manpower too, but they also have a lot of athletes. And they have like hundreds and hundreds of test skis that are like fully prepared. They're testing grind. They're testing structure. They're testing structure with the best grind. They're testing all the wax. They're like, it's, it's uh, then there's all the athlete skis too. I mean, I remember the first day on the job I had with Norway a couple years ago, I was with Klebo's tech guy named Froda and we were going to go test some clister skis. The guy comes out with four racks, four racks of skis. That's 32 pairs of clister skis. Cause there's eight ski, eight pairs of skis per rack. I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh is this like four guys skis? It's like, no, no, these are Klebo's clister skis and we're testing them all. And like, so, you know what, with, um, motivated staff and a system that they have in place, and then they get given this gift with like the warm weather and difficult waxing conditions, say goodnight. I mean, it, yeah, at least that's my perspective. It reminds me of uh, formula one McLaren team. Like they put the time and exactly. they put the money. They like have more exactly. like R and D than 
anybody, but you can put any of those drivers in their car and they'll perform better. Like it's, it's a crucial part. Like that's why they're the best F1 team as well. They have the best drivers as well, but you saw this year, if you were watching, like you put a, a B team driver in there and he almost won the race as well. Like, like their cars exactly. are fast because they do all the testing and everything more testing than any other team. And so they, it's a total, like they are so similar, like Norway to McLaren. Like if you follow F1, I it's, agree. it's pretty exciting to actually follow yeah. because it's so. Yeah. Here's a question for you, Len, because I, I know at least from my experience and when I spoke to you and historically just always appreciative. You may not have wanted mm-hmm. to talk to us, but you were always like very appreciative and, and uh, kind, which I think was uh, from my perspective, always actually, I loved it. Um, so that's it. I'm curious when, when you noticed, you know, the instant, maybe in a race, maybe it wasn't in warm up when you're testing your race skis and the skis are going to go with, but during a race, you're like, crap, my skis are off. Um, what's that like? You know, what are you, what are you thinking? And then what's that energy expenditure like? It's honestly the worst feeling in ski racing when you know that you push over the hill and like at the same pace as those guys and then people just start going by you like it's it's honestly the word like there's not much you can do which is the sad part you can try and ski tactic tactically different you're gonna have to expel more energy on the climbs to be in slightly better position because you know you're not going to gain on the downhills you can kind of really make sure you're in the drafts like but there's not too much you can do but at the same time, like Devin and I, we've had like years of races where we had like Norwegian caliber skis. Like oh, we yeah. had one Dude, of the crazy good we had, we had the best skis. There's stretches when we were all racing well. And it's funny how yeah. that works out too. When when we're yeah. in good shape, the techs like not that they try harder, but there's more like I guess pressure to really nail the skis. And it seems to go together when you have good athletes and good skiers like the Norwegians do like there is pressure for the wax decks they want to make the fastest skis and yeah so we had the fastest skis on world cup I think for a few seasons we were lucky enough to to have that and what a difference like the confidence some of my podiums even I remember letting the groups go like letting 25 people go and over the hill I know I'm getting them all back like I could like it almost makes me feel like I don't deserve the podium at the end. Cause it was like unfair how fast our skis were sometimes. Like, you know, you can just rest a little bit on the climbs. You don't have to go over the red, red zone there and blow up. Like, so yeah, it's, it's crazy. Good skis make the biggest difference. And when, when you're warming up, that's the worst thing warming up and you're testing skis and you know, they're like complete garbage. There's, it's almost, <laughs> and it's almost it. not even start. <laughs> it's like but of course you start every time and you you fight through it because that's what we do but yeah it's it's you don't stand much of a chance if your skis aren't at least competitive and if they're if they're the world-class skis you have such an advantage like good skis can bring you podiums even if you're just skiing like pretty well like i I don't know it's yeah i know it does it does have a suit it has a lot to say for sure and and and, you know i mean we, we we talked about this a little bit before jason but like Len can talk to this too. It's just like when it gets warm and dirty like this, man, like then the skis, just like, it's just such a huge difference. Like it's crazy. So when it's minus 10 and like blue extra skiing out there, like, you know what? The skis aren't really that big a difference between athletes, honestly. But then when it gets soupy and warm and dirty and like 
chewed up and i mean man oh man it, yeah, and it it's magnified like, like completely yeah exactly yeah. and throw in the fact that some people just don't ski that well when it's that soft yeah, so totally. that magnifies it as well so you just get these like big spreads and it makes the good guys look amazing and then yeah superhuman the others yeah. look mediocre and yeah it just spreads the field right out from but man totally. yeah those I, yeah it's crazy that they can nail it every time in this condition like i wish i wish we knew what they were doing because yeah it would help uh, a lot. Like we would have had what? a few people in the heats today for Canada. Yeah. Americans would have had more. Like it would have been nice to have those skis. Yeah, no, for sure. And it is, it is impressive. One thing I do want to come back to before we like get off the men, because Lenny, this is the, <laughs> I witnessed the stupidest thing I've ever seen in championship Nordic ski history, like ever. Did you notice Oscar Svensson in his quarterfinal skiing like a champ? Semi-final, yeah, he was fourth, but he was in tight there, dude. He got a lucky loser spot, but he was looking good up the climb, pushing over the tops well. I mean, he's won World Cups this year on courses like Val de Fiam, where you have to carry your speed. You know that hill so well. You were oh, yeah. you excelled there too. And like pushing over the tops of a hill into like a big long stadium. That's kind of what Oberstorf was. <laughs> I can't even believe say this with a straight face. The dude picks skate skis for the final. Like, are 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 you oh, oh, like what <laughs> i was what laughing so hard yeah. on the first hill when Dude. I was, i'm like yeah. You know, yeah 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 i know you did this at the world championships in like soup so lenny was talking about like lenny was also talking about like the poles sinking in and they were it was pretty good today till the finals when you see that the snow kicking off the poles you have no purchase in the poles like that you did on the qualifier you know what i mean like it's a hard course that, that's like any championship course is a hard course but, but Oberstorf is right up there with like, yeah, Pyeongchang or yeah, these are Falun. Like these are hard, hard courses. But, but, okay, just to put in perspective for the <laughs> listeners, a final, there is six people. 50% of that final get a medal. So you have a pretty damn good chance to get a medal. So like, why do you look at the odds and be like, there's a 50-50 chance I get a medal? You know what? I'm going to double, I'm going to, it's plus 15, my pulse sink in, I'm going to switch to skate skis. The guy finishes like 30 something seconds back. I've never seen something more ridiculous on, in on my entire one, life. On the one course that actually has classic skiing. Like it's not yeah, a flat totally. course. It's no, the no, one course that they're actually doing classic. And yeah. he decides like, I was laughing so hard. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah, me too. I couldn't believe I was witnessing it. First hill, I'm like, there goes to your final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, what, so what, yeah, but so like, it's maybe sort of like a rhetorical question, but he chose to do oh, it. Yeah. So like what, we haven't spoken to him obviously. No, 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 but, no, no, but I've, I've, I've been reading like Swedish, like I read through yeah. the Swedish papers and stuff. And like, he had been thinking about this for more than half a year. I'm like, where is your coach? Where's your, like dreaming where's your of DPing it? Like, yeah, like where's your technician or your coach? Like Theodore Pedersen's there as well, who is Olympic medalist, world's best sprinter in 2012. Come in the face three times and be like, you have been skiing so well up the climbs. You've been awesome climbing. Like it's plus 15. This is a bitching hard course, <laughs> tons of climbing. You skate skis. <laughs> like I, 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 it's like, I can't believe how big a miss that. I can't believe how big a miss that is. Like Len said, the first hill, which is not that hard in Oberstorf in this new course, is not that hard. He's like, what is he? At the top of that hill, he's 15 seconds. <laughs> he's 15 seconds back. It's so, it's so, it's so over. Like, 
You know what I mean? I, I, the best quote yeah. I ever heard is like, so Emily Everson was quoted in the media saying, it's like, well, I guess Oscar Svensson got his tactical advice from Cali Halverson today. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> but I mean, like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then so, and then so that, yeah, so that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in cross-country ski history for ever. Wow. For a championship. Oh yeah, for a cha- it's for a championship. 50%, remember Jason, 50% of that final get a medal. No, I. it's funny that you mentioned that. And then I'm like, he's right. 50% walk yeah. away with some hardware. Yeah, exactly. Good odds. Yeah, and then, and, and he, <laughs> he pulls him like, that was crazy. And then I do have to say, you know what, man? Bolshinov was where he needed to be. He was climbing well. He was right there. Rosinals are great in slush, really good in warm conditions, but he was outwaxed. And you saw it. You saw where Bolshinov came out of his tuck, and you saw where all the three Norwegians came out of his tuck. And I, like, man, I felt bad for him, like coming down that stretch. He had no chance in all hell. Like, it, and he had a he had a super good day. Like, what can you say? You know, and like Ustigov coming into the final two, you know, Russia goes fourth and fifth. And and I mean, I still think there's going to be some fun battles, especially in the team sprint and stuff like Bolshinov, Ustigov, that's a hell of a team. And, uh, but, but if it's going to be plus 15 again, it doesn't matter because Norway's just going to tuck, tuck away from you. Yeah. Do we know the forecast coming up? So what, Pardon? is it warm all week? Well, yeah, it's going to be warm. Not, not as warm as it is okay. through this, this weekend. Then it's supposed to cool down a bit, but cool down to 12 and sunny. Like, I mean, it's, it's pretty warm. They need to keep the start times. Are they moving start times back again? Or there's like there's no, they, they haven't, they haven't had any talk about that. I'm actually, I'm actually have to, I'm actually working with NRK this weekend uh, in Oslo. And I was expecting like, oh God, I'm gonna have to get up like so early, but like in Norwegian, the, the teams in, yeah, in Norwegian, so don't watch, don't watch oh, that. No, no, I'm going to watch uh, that. <laughs> no, don't. Um, but, um, but the, the reality is, is like, they're, they're, they haven't moved the start times for Sunday's team sprint. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I have to be there at 1145 and that's, that's going to be a slop fest. I mean, like mid afternoon plus 14 skating. Whew, that's not for me, Lenny. That's not for you either. No, 14 no, degrees in slushy, no. like skating. No, thanks. <laughs> Before we move on to the women's race, I want to make a note um, that it is a championship event. So uh, I'm, I'm referencing the WADA Rusada uh, case um, that had to do with the Sochi doping. So if people aren't aware that Russia technically is supposed to not ski under the Russian banner, the Russian flag, if you know, if you see photos of their wax bus, it's wrapped up. So the word Russia, you're not supposed to see it evidently anywhere. Uh, they can kill it on the course, but they're wearing uh, uniforms or the little symbol, for example, on official results is RSF. I'm, I'm assuming Russian Ski Federation. So I wanted to make, make note of that. It's a, it's a soft, it's a soft pinch dude <laughs> from cast. Soft. It's, it's a not, it's a non, it's a not, it's a non, it's a non sequitur. Yeah, and, and, but you know what, up. you know, we've talked about that a little bit of the past, like, like a lot of the guys, pretty much all the guys that were <clears throat> involved in Russia, that were like systematic doping and were in Icarus and all that, like they're all retired and stuff. So, so, you know, I saw a crazy stat. This was also an article in the Norwegian media the other day that went through like the amount of, um, it was a big article actually, I should send it to you about Max Hauk. The Austrian. The guy that got caught blood doping with the, in, in Seefeld. Yeah. The Austrian and they got the video leaked and all that. But <clears throat> it was a big, uh, big article about that whole thing. They had an interview with them and, and everything, but they, they, they wrote down from 2001 to 2019, there has been 39 Russians that have tested positive. 
for doping in cross-country skiing, which is so far and away more than any other nation. Austria is number two on that list, which is not a surprise. They've got a bad history too. But um, <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, just because everyone, not well, we can believe what we want to believe, but just because there was a bad doping history in the past with Russia, um, you know, people can say what they want to say, but like, we got to live in, like I've talked about this before, we got to live in a world where, where you're innocent until proven guilty. And these are new guys and they're skiing well. And, you know, I, it's hard to say. I mean, but I think, I think like saying it's like, you can't have the name Russia and we can't, you can't have your national anthem when you win, but everything else is the same. It's not a punishment. This is stupid. So like, yeah, all, it, is, this, it is stupid. Like, it's just stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like, just let them have the national anthem then. Like, you know what I mean? If you're not going to do anything, then don't do anything. Don't, this is not even soft. This is a, this is a joke. Yeah. And I, I do agree. Like until you actually catch this new generation, exactly. we have to admit that they're, or they are innocent. Presume. Prove. Yeah, yeah, we, presume. Exactly. And you know yeah. what? They are, they are really nice people. Like Devin and yeah. I, we're friends oh, with Glenn's a bunch awesome. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude, like, yeah. Yeah. Quite a few of them are like really, really nice people. And, I, I have to assume that they're not cheating. And if they are, like, it is the systematic part that they don't have a choice. Like, this is my own, like, thought on this. But they don't have a choice. If you want to be on the Russian team and all this, you have to do what they say. Otherwise, what, you get sent home and you don't ski. Like, I don't even blame them the whole time. We just got to fix the whole systematic. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Part. Like, it's not yeah. the athlete's fault. Even if, 100%. Even if they are caught, like, I see why. <laughs> I, yeah. it's like I don't blame them. I blame the the whole federation that forces it on them. So yeah, I don't know exactly. I, yeah. Anyway, people people should go and read the article in the New York Times uh, earlier in the week or last week on the high jumper and and the the missing hospital. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, it it just, yeah it's just awful. It's just ta- speaking the lens point. Just about a you know getting caught up in the system and getting caught up in the lie of how to actually then dupe uh, people trying to, you know, clean up the sport. And it just became an ugly mess. Um, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. But, but I mean, like one last thing on that, it's like, <clears throat> if you're going to have these stupid soft, like penalties, like I actually, and this, this might get a lot of blowback and that's fine, whatever. But like, I feel bad. Like, I, I think, I think it's kind of like, <laughs> it's fucking bullshit is what it is. Like if Bolshinov wins, if Bolshinov wins a race at the world championships and then he, he, he has to listen to the, the this anthem, like, come on, man. Like he's there, he's racing. He's in his same Russian suit. They put a little bit of tape over the words Russia. Like, I think it's, it's not a, it's not a punishment. So like I, you, I, either, I think you either punish it or, or you, or you don't. Yeah, that, that's either you race, either you race as Russia and yeah. play their anthem, or you just don't let them race, and you deal exactly. with the block that comes with that. Because exactly. If yes. you really think they're doping, they're stealing world championship medals from people. And result, somebody totally. could have had a fourth and fifth today, <laughs> double polling. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He was third. Yeah. Exactly. He would have been fourth. Yeah. No, but it's, it's Oscar would have moved up. But yeah. Anyway, like yeah. either right, who knows? Let them race, or just don't. Just wipe them out until they clean up the whole system. Okay. Sorry to digress there. I just wanted to bring that up. I noticed, you know, writing this morning, it's like, oh yeah, it's a championship event. They've got different nomenclature for the team. Um, okay, women sprinting. Take it. Exciting. Mention Svan. Yeah, well, I mean, it was so exciting. Oh yeah, of course I will. Because I've got actually a little beef about Svan and uh, Len can hop in on that too. Um, 
amazing. I, I think the women's sprints have been so good. I think the women's racing this whole year has been awesome. Like I've said so many times, it's so fun. The men's sprint today was just bonkos fun too, because they were skiing at a level that is just unbelievable. But uh, the women's sprint was great today. Uh, you know, it was great to see Sweden win the gold medal. I mean, come on. They're the best sprint team in the world for women. And Sundling gets her chance to shine. Len was there racing in Seefeld when she, you know, like the whole Swedish team was taken out, like took each other out and, and missed a chance in the final there. Uh, no question was Sundling the best, the best athlete today. And, and the, it was, she was amazing. My heart kind of broke for, for Hogstrom there. First year senior, won the qualifier, skiing so well, so punchy. And just ran out of steam a little bit. Her skis didn't look all that great either, honestly. But also, Lampich, I'm such a huge fan of Lampich. Slovenia, small team, on the podium, skiing beautifully. And then Mike and Kasperson Fala has had a horrendous lead up to this championship. She has been sick. She's been struggling with her lungs, something that Lenny for sure has experience with in his career. And she was not racing whatsoever. She, she, she had really really bad lungs that were holding her out of competition i think this is like her fifth or sixth race of the season she comes in doesn't know how she's going to perform anybody that wrote her off hasn't checked the fist profile lately think about this since 2013 2013 this is eight years ago she has been on the podium individual in the sprint every single championship so we're talking falun podium sochi the year after olympic champion falun podium she was bronze in both of those then, then you go to 2017, world champion, 2019, world champion, and everyone's like, oh, she hasn't raced, she's been bad, she's struggling. She shows up, she looked like an absolute hero out there, running the hills like a total champ, ends up with a silver medal, like hats off, best female sprinter, wow, Amar Birgen's right up there, <laughs> dude, I don't know. She's, she's, she's closing in on Amar Birgen for, for sprints, for women's sprint. It's hard, it's hard to argue. I mean, she, she just, she's a big game player and she threw down. And... Before we get through this, Lynn Swan, super disappointing. Of course, she gets she gets knocked out early, but she has been struggling a little bit with a shoulder injury, which has not. It's been like a open secret; it hasn't been a big secret. But like, could that have come into play? Perhaps, perhaps not. You know, Lynn Swan is a is a future superstar for sure. I mean, geez, she hadn't lost a classic sprint this whole season coming into this World Championships. But remember, Lynn Swan's a second year senior. She's never been to a world championship before in her life. We've got to cut her some slack. You know, it's a lot of pressure. Sundling's been to championships before. Sundling's deal, dealt with disappointment by falling at the world championships when a medal was right there. She's, she's, she's lived through that. Uh, Lin Spahn hasn't. And the only thing I'll say about Lin Spahn that I was disappointed in is, we talked about this earlier too, Jason, running through the media zone and not saying anything to anybody. And then that clip of like you running down like the, the street, not saying anything, and then not coming back. 45 minutes later to the media zone, just like, don't say anything. Listen, kids, <laughs> what am I, Don Cherry? But like, <laughs> honestly, through the good and the bad, you have, if you have to, you have to stop in the media zone and you don't have to be, you don't have to stop there long, but you can go like, I'm, I'm crushed. I'm incredibly disappointed. I wanted more. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say. I'm just, I'm sorry, <laughs> which is stupid. Never say sorry. But like, do, do you know, like, just like explain yourself a little bit, you know, LeBron James has to do that after good games, after bad games. Um, Lenny's talking about F1, you know, like Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton has to do that after good times and bad. This is part about being a professional athlete and you can't just stop 
up and hang out and drink champs in the mix zone when you win. And then when you have some setbacks, you just run right through it. It's, it's a bad look for the sport. It's a bad look for a champion and Lynn Svon's young. So I'm going to give cutter a bit of slack, but that's not okay. And in cross country skiing, we have a bad history of that Norwegians do that too. Petter used to do that every once in a while, which is just like Petter, come on, man. You know, like we can help build the sport by explaining the good and the bad. Yeah. It's not that hard to stop and even just say, look, I don't, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm sorry. It's a bad day. Like, yeah, that's all you have to say. You don't even have to come back. Like, yeah, just don't. Yeah. Running through that's always the worst or yeah. In the NBA, when someone gets, gets fouled out and they go to the change room and don't watch their teammates finish the rate that finished the game or anything. It's just, yeah, like, like, it's not okay. It's not a good look. It's like, she'll regret oh. it. I'm sure she'll, Oh, for like, sure. For sure. Yeah. As soon as she realizes what she did, she'll regret it and wish she just yeah. talked to the media and cause everybody has bad days. You gotta, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you Lenny, you, it actually came up a few, I don't know, maybe like five episodes ago, maybe during the tour to ski, but we were talking, you were actually the oh, yeah. exemplar. Uh, I agree. Of, uh, I was referring to uh, the men's relay in 2017 when you guys got pulled. You were, I, I think that's the case, that right? And yeah. you could have easily been like, whatever, dude, you know, hand. I just raised my hand. It's video here. But like you could have walked right by. But you actually took the time to kind of chat about what was going on out there. So... Yeah, yeah, and it was it was probably one of the hardest races for me too, being a team event and getting lapped out, if that's the one you're referring to. It's like it's probably some of the, the worst I've ever felt after a race because it's not even individual. It's like, I don't know, you have the whole weight of the team. And yeah, you always I always tried to talk to the media after, even though and that time in particular was the hardest. Like, of course, I wanted to just go and not bring any of what just happened up, like getting lapped out is it's tough but yeah it i think lynn swan will regret walking through shortly after she did that and she'll learn she's young yeah oh yeah she'll learn exactly and she's a huge star and she skis beautifully and she has a future she's got stacked up so many wins this year in the world cup like this is not the last we've seen of Lynn Spahn, that's for sure. it might be the, the first big heartbreak for her so yeah I, exactly yeah it's it, it it is tough for sure i i do feel for her but you gotta gotta make the effort yeah. What did you see out there in the women's land? Just, just off the bat, like, yeah, Mike and skied amazing. And I didn't know about her whole, like, like issues leading into the race or anything like that, but her quarterfinal, I feel like she wasted a little bit of energy. Just, it was a statement. She won by a ton, but like, like it, it is a, there's three heats to go kind of thing. Like you just got to ski it smart too. I think she actually would have fought for the win had she not like wasted yeah, too, too much. But like, you don't know, but she skied absolutely amazing. Just like, just needed a little more in the last lap. And, but yeah, no, it overall, I was yeah super, super happy to see her back. Yeah, and it's, it was super exciting too. And like, I think one last little storyline for me in the women's side of things was like, <clears throat> there was three Norwegians in the final in women's sprints. And if you go back through the history of the last couple of years, the Norwegian women's sprint program has been it's been Mike in and then that's it. But to put people in the final, like, like Anna Svensson, this is something else too, that I think is really important. Cause you hear all these like podium pathways and all this chatting about like, you know, like you have to be on all these curves at all these different ages, like Anna Svensson, she's 31 years old. She's never been to a championship before in her life. She's never been to a world juniors. She's never been to an under 23s. She's never been to an Olympics and she's never been to 
of world championships. First chance she gets this world championships, she hasn't had the best season either, honestly, uh, compared to what she was doing in classic sprinting last year. She, she makes it all the way to the final and hangs tough to come fifth like that. Like it was a great day for Norway all around. Like I know the men swept the podium, but also putting three women in the final. Uh, if you go back through the results over the last two years and, and look at the sprints, you know, it's not every weekend that Norway puts three in the final. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to see the three different nations on the podium. It's not, Oh yeah, it is. Like, awesome. It is yeah. like, it's just oh, totally. mix it up a bit and <laughs> yeah, for sure. not just Norway winning. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Just so we get this correct. So Svensson, I think, again, I'm looking at the results here and I because there's a lot to remember, but there were th- three Norwegian uh, women in the final. Uh, Vang, one of the twins. Yeah, Tyrell. She was in the final. Stenseth was in the final. Oh, she was. Oh, it was Anna that was in the final and, and not Anna Svensson. Oh, man. Yeah, that's yeah, my bad. Yeah. Svensson was... But the, you're close. Svensson came in seventh overall. Okay. No, that's that. No, that's, that's not shabby. That's still, honest. Yeah, honest. Stenseth also, she's not 31, but uh, she. This is her first World Championships as well. Never been to World Juniors. Never been to Under 23s either. And she races herself into the final. Uh, it was a. It was a super solid day for Norway all around. But thanks for catching on that one. That's a. That's a. That's a. That's a miss. No, that's okay. I was just looking at the results. Lenny can attest. He's had to hear me so many times talking about results with Alex, like ad nauseum. It's not often I make uh, slip ups like that. And their names <laughs> are so close. I was looking at my well, So was I. I was <laughs> like, wait, okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's the deal between the twins? Yeah. Something happened between the twins sort of tripped each other up. Yeah. How's that going down? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, it was actually, it all did it. It was all fine and good after the fact. And they talked to the media too and discussed it, but it was tough. I mean, like Tyrell put her, Tiro put her pole straight up in her twin sisters between her twin sisters legs and took her out <laughs> and oh, lot that crashed and burned. And there were three, there was three of them that were going to fight for those like spots. And I mean, like, you know, Lotta Lotta is uh, a great sprinter and, and hit the deck because of her twin sister. That's, that's never easy to swallow, but they both, they were both really professional and of course disappointed, like both Tiro too. Like she doesn't want to take out her sister on purpose, but you know, race in, race in, Race incidents happen, and um, of course, it's super hard to see. What can you say? That's it. Sucks to crash into world championship, and it sucks to get taken out by your teammate, and it sucks to get taken out by your teammate who's your twin sister. <laughs> yeah. One last note: I, I think it's worth people who are like really drilling down on like results and and the global sport. If you look at the results in the sprint, it's actually really cool because there were so many countries represented. Uh, you know, obviously not the sharp end, but there were 108 people that finished, you know, I guess the qualifier and the heats total, lots of different countries. So it's pretty cool. I just wanted to throw that out there. That's a lot of representation. Well, that's always what's been fun with the world championships, right? Lenny, like, I mean, the world championships is a, it's a, it's a unique event. It's a cool event. And like, you know, Lenny has some European heritage with his family and, Skiing is a big thing in Estonia and has been for a long time. And uh, Sweden, of course, Swedish heritage too, land and like it's massive in Sweden and, and like over here in Norway. And like, you know what, around the world, in the ski world, you know, like a world championships gold or world championships medal is, is at the same level as Olympic gold medal or anything. Um, so it is, it is fun to highlight that again, Jason, like you said, that like there's a lot of nations competing. A lot of people have dreams to get there and just to represent your country is a big achievement. And, and uh, it, it's, it's cool with these championship events. Yeah, and only being allowed to start four per nation brings a few others in there too. You don't have, I don't know, 11 Norwegians starting and qualifying. So it's, yeah, just 
mixes it up a bit and it's, it's yeah it's totally different than a regular world cup okay in closing like len i hear stories of you from scott you kind of like oh you should have seen len in the green room referring to like you're in the tube of some big wave uh how are you so when COVID is over right if it's ever over but it's an afterthought and we can travel how are you gonna i'm just curious like how are you gonna go feed the soul i would love to go back to the ocean just whether it's maui or to mexico with scott again but it would be nice to yeah i'm kind of landlocked like you said earlier like just it would be nice to just go and hang out with friends again surfing somewhere or yeah just near the ocean anyway yeah, I'm just like, how are you doing that during COVID? Are you able to like, I don't know if you, I'm, I'm trying to think. There are big lakes up there and there's wind. Um, do you kite surf or anything like that? I haven't. The newest hobby is snowmobiling, which oh, <laughs> there's good. a lot to learn because I'm not <laughs> on the trails. It's all in the trees and the powder. So it's, yeah, there's, it's a big learning curve there too. So it's, it's kind of fun to mix it up with a, a motorsport now. I've been doing the hard stuff with cross country for <laughs> that long and now i'm mixing it up trying to learn something new and it's not that easy to learn stuff when you're getting older now so <laughs> it's been fun but yeah you just stay stay preoccupied have a have a good hobby during covid and and yeah it's it's good if your hobby is in the trees and not around other people so and just to say even though everybody knows this it's ever uh been close to lenny or i or anything but like when Lenny says he like, like there is no more talented athlete on planet earth than Lenny Malleus. So like, I mean, learning to snowmobile, is not like me, like, just like, how do you start this thing? And then like, keep it on the straight and narrow. Like this is, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I wish we had show notes or anything. Lenny could send some of the photos of him, like windsurfing in Maui off, like, I don't know, two and a half overhead waves and getting like bucked around and i mean i've surfed with lenny a bunch and it's just crazy how good he is at absolutely everything the fly fishing cross-country skiing backcountry any everything so uh, i'm i'm actually kind of scared i'm a, I'm a subby boy so i mean <clears throat> when covid's over i mean i have to get back to ontario and see you see, see your stuff on the snowmobiles i mean i'll be a, a way back but maybe maybe austin can like film it with the drone or something so no, i can live it got your sled ready <laughs> dude that'd, be, fun. that'd be fun that'd be so fun that'd be super fun hopefully soon yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Len. I'm very excited. When, when he or he, when Devin texted, he's like, Lenny's coming on tomorrow, 11 o'clock Pacific time. I was like, yay. Very excited. So, yeah, this was, this was fun. I didn't know what to expect. And because I don't. Yeah. Better? So, is it better or worse? No, it's good. I like it. I like the video. I think it would have been harder without the, <laughs> the visual. I like this. I like the video too. Devin, yeah, yeah it actually think? worked well, dude. It worked awesome. And you know what? Yeah. For me, like I said, like, I mean, I'm the real so softy and sappy bastard, but like, I mean, <clears throat> I miss these guys a lot. And I mean, I, like having spent so much of my life uh, with Len and like, I mean, I was just thinking about that today, actually, like some of the best memories is like, yeah, you have the training and stuff, but like we had training camps in Hawaii where you'd like mess around in the ocean, laughing your ass off after like a hard workout trying to serve for whatever but like also for len and i len and i both love fishing and and um like fly fishing and, and like man like i have such great memories of you know we have the park city camps in the in the fall and you have like the aspens changing color like just this like a wash of yellow and beautiful clear evenings where the temperature starting to cool down and i'm just out there on the river with lenny and fishing for like an hour and a half or two hours and like 
yeah, we talk a bit on the way out there and then we talk while we're fishing a little bit, get stoked for each other for catching fish. But then, you know, all of a sudden Len's walking up the river one way, I'm walking up the river another way for like half an hour or something, regroup and like, you know, not, not to get too sappy, but like I am getting old and like, man, like those are the memories that, uh, you know, those mean, those mean everything to me, Lenny. So it's been really cool just to catch up with you here and talk some shit about skiing. And again, honestly, like the, old the days, same. But, yeah, like, yeah, so it's, uh, there's no like family I, to me. There's nobody I'll do a podcast for except you. And that's, that's the honest <laughs> yeah. truth because I've, I've turned them down and it was like a quick, you asked, I said, of course, like I, I wouldn't do this for anybody else, but I, I did want to catch up and just chat with you. And, and then I thought it'd be a good way to do it. So yeah, I, I don't do this for anybody. Fun. So <laughs> Yeah. Thanks buddy. Thanks Lenny. I really appreciate it. But, but also like, also like it just, yeah, like I can't say enough. Like it just means a lot to, to catch up with you guys. And, and of course, like Lenny and I, that has share like uh, outdoor pursuit passions as well that we, that we got to, that we got to share together throughout the years of skiing that you might not, that people might not know, you know what I mean? Like people might not know that like if you're a professional skier training five hours a day or four hours a day, like got to fish some pretty cool spots <laughs> like oh yeah, yeah. and like uh, the drive out there talking about a whole, whole whack of things so it's uh yeah a team we, we, in canada it's like it's family so yeah. it's been great thanks we lenny. had some amazing years and met some amazing people <laughs> all right take care thanks yeah, guys thanks a lot lenny we'll catch up soon thanks for buddy. sure see you guys Peace. bye Ciao. thanks for listening it is going to be a busy time during world championships but if you have any questions we will try to get them answered. You can send them to Devin at FasterSkeeter.com and Jason at FasterSkeeter.com. Bye.